This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. Yeah, so today is the last day of our parenting class, which talking with Brian and Amanda and, and uh, Lowell and Danielle, it's kind of fun to go. This, I hope that this class doesn't become some type of a metric where you're like, all right, I did the parenting class in 2019 and I am therefore, I've got my, I'm now equipped and I never have to, sh- you should go back. I hope that this just becomes a regular pattern or cadence for us as a church that we're always in this because things are constantly changing, but this just is that constant renewal that we need as parents and encouragement um, as we move forward. So um, all that to say that uh, my wife, Julie, was supposed to be here today, um, but our eight-year-old son, Logan, uh, woke up yesterday morning about 4.30 in the morning doing the violent vomiting heaves. And so um, we haven't had any of that since about mid to late afternoon yesterday. So she is on uh, caring for our son duty. So otherwise, I'm bummed that she's not here. Um, I love leaving with her and you've had you know the chance to see different spouses here. But um, yeah, you will get me today. Um, so as we finish things up today, um, I was talking with Sarah beforehand and I love the fact that this last uh, week of our equipping lands the way it does because I really think it brings everything kind of to a a nice completion because it points us all the way back to what Jake and Sarah were talking about at the very beginning on what is our ultimate goal as parents. Um, And we'll see that today as we we talk about rest. So um, like everybody else, I am not an expert in this. I have a 15-year-old daughter at West High School, a 12-year-old daughter at Hoover Middle School, and an eight-year-old son at Orange Elementary School. So I'm in the thick of it, like many of you are. I'm experiencing the high school, the junior high, and the in the uh, elementary school uh, phases of life, but God's been gracious to us. He's probably taught me more about him as a, as a parent, and I think Julie would echo the same thing um, than anything else. And so not experts, our desire is just to, you know, say, hey, this is what we've learned from, and this is kind of what we want to push forward with. So um, I hope that as this lands, as our parenting class lands, you see the blessing that our kids are. Um, and how God uses them ultimately to sanctify us. Um, and today we're gonna talk about the ultimate rest that we can find as parents um, when we have a biblical uh, anchor uh, on why we're doing what we're doing as parents. So um, wanted to, as we jump into that today, um, wanted to ask this because one of the quotes that came out in this in uh, uh, this chapter on rest that I wanna read to you and then push this off into some quick table discussion if we could is this, is that... Um, it says this towards the beginning of a book, it's, or in this chapter, it says, in our exhaustion and discouragement, we are all too susceptible to doing and saying things that are not only unhelpful to our children, but that add to the burden of inadequacy that we are already carrying. It is a heart at rest that will enable you to do the good things that God has called every parent to do. So this idea of being exhausted and discouragement, and in that context, we often do and say things that probably aren't the best things for our kids within that. And then we encounter this chapter on rest. And so I want you to just talk in your tables here for just a little bit. Use three words to describe how you currently feel as a parent with kind of within the context of those verses or that that quote I just read for you. Use three words to describe how you currently feel as a parent. And I'll give you just a few minutes, maybe three, four minutes to talk about that at your tables. Go. Everybody had the chance kind of to do it? See, Laura's finishing up. No, go finish it up, Laura. Go ahead. It's, it's been, I, I sat down at the table over here with Brian and Tom and uh, Jill and Jordan and even just sitting up here a little bit listening to some of the things. What are some of the words, common themes that you guys heard at your table? Was there like one word that jumped out at, at your guys' table that described how you feel right now as a parent? A common word? Okay, hopeful. Okay. How about uh, Ben at your table? One common word that came out. You just got here. All right, pass it off to Matt then. What's that? What's this blast? Are you like TikToking to the Twitter, to the Instagramming or whatever? Put you on blast. Yeah, what was that? What was like one common word that came out of your entire group of, of how you feel? There were some maybe more hopeful things 
Okay. Okay. All right. How about you guys? Yeah. What was that? How would you describe the first one? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, over here, I would say, uh, I think Jordan used the word inadequate, which I think is probably similar. And then Jill said something I think it was comparing, uh, uh, compelling too. And we're going to see that today, how the exhaustion, the inadequacy actually is a place that we can find rest in, uh, getting, getting a little bit uh, ahead of it. But also the perspective that, that Jill had from uh, some older kids, right, that have given her a new perspective on younger ones, which almost gives this hope, like appreciating what's most important now that maybe you didn't early on if I captured that in the right way. Um, it's fun to ask that question because particularly at the end of this parenting class, my guess is um, there's all kinds of different words that you would describe, used to describe parenting, but um, to, to find that there is, it's a daunting task that God's given us um, and we are fallible people trying to uh, perform this task. Um, that can be kind of overwhelming at times, but there is such a joy that comes out of this or an exposed. I, th I thought of the word exposed, like I feel exposed as a dad oftentimes, which can actually be a really good thing because it exposes actually what's true about me. Um, and then God uses that to sanctify me to make it more like him. Um, as we do that today, as, or as we, we kind of talk about this idea of of rest within parenting, um, I kind of have a confession to make. When I first saw that I was going to get the word rest, um, I, I went, oh, this is going to be great. It's, this is going to be the self-help chapter of here's, way, here's some practical ways you can better date your wife and take better vacations and you know, take that, that Sabbath day on Sunday. Like when I saw this chapter dealing with rest, my first thought was, we're going to talk about practical ways that we can rest as parents. Is there anybody else that saw that in here at all? Laura's kind of nodding your head, right? Would anybody raise, I know that people probably hate the raising of hands, so I won't do that for the rest of the time, right? I totally love what this chapter did because it turned on its head as I entered into it. I went, oh, this is going to be some practical stuff for rest so that I can get the physical rest that I need. And as you read this chapter, you see that that is not the rest at all. And I was like, that's amazing. This is, this is great. So within that, I want you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, because we're going to see ultimately where our rest comes from. And it's a rest that um, we desperately need as parents. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Um, many of us are familiar with this as all get out. Um, I'm just going to read. I'm going to be reading from the, the Holman. It says in verse 18, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm going to ask a question um, of the group. Uh, we're going to do some table discussion, then some kind of group. I want, to, I want to hear from you guys. We can all hear from each other. In light of this great commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, what do you see as your God-given mandate as a parent? Out loud. Yeah, anybody. And this isn't just table discussion. This is everybody. Hear it loud. Lowell. Raise disciples. Raise disciples. What else? What else do you see? What's our, what's our mandate? To teach. Sorry, guys. I like interaction with, with stuff. Disciple, teach. What else? Baptize. Yep. 
What, what would you guys say when you first read through this chapter and you knew we were talking on rest and you saw Matthew 28, 18 through 20, what was the first thing that went through your mind? <laughs> Thank you for that honest opinion. Jill said, it's a lot of work. That's not rest at all, right? Brittany's kind of nodding along as well. Like, what did you think? When you think, when you think of verses about rest that we can anchor to to rest, did you ever think that Matt, the Great Commission, would be the one that you're landing on? Brian's going, nope. Why not? Right. What were you going to say, Laura? Yeah, like take this from me, right? Take off my, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, I love the fact that this became the anchor point for what rest looks like for us as parents because within maybe the overwhelming that we're like, shoot, you want me to make a disciple? You want me to teach? You want me to baptize? Like that doesn't sound rest at all. And then within that, you see a couple things that we're gonna draw out is you see, a very simple guide for what we're called to do as parents, but then we rest in the God that's desiring to do that through us with our kids, right? We're gonna see today that we have, we have some biblical commands to follow as parents, right? And we've, we've talked about that through the entire equipping class, but we have to get ourselves in a, in a place. I have to get myself in a place as a parent where I rest in the obedience of doing what God has called me to do and let him take care of the rest. And one of the things we're gonna see this morning is that doesn't mean that we just flippantly, arbitrarily go about things and that we're like, oh, I'll just teach him some stuff and I'll try and set a good example. And you know, I'll say, hey, you should be baptized and be like, all right, I'm just gonna rest in you, God, do your thing, right? It doesn't mean that, it just means that as we rest in what God has called us to do as parents in making and pointing our children towards Jesus, because if you want to boil it down in the simplest terms, we're pointing our children towards Jesus Christ and saying, I want to obey the God who would send his son to die on the cross for me and live the rest of my life with that type of a cadence. Come follow me in that. And this is what it looks like. When we rest in that as our sole responsibility as parents, it takes the edge off of everything else that we try and do in their lives, right? And we let the Holy Spirit do the thing that only he can do as we do this. I love that, that this became kind of the focal point in what rest looks like. Um, as I wanted to read from page 184 in this book because I, was, I thought as, as we jump off of um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 and finding rest in what God has ultimately caught us to do as parents, this became one of these, I, as I'm, I'm reading this, I took I actually took a picture of the two pages on 184 and 185, and I'm not gonna read both um, to you. But if you want something to put on the wall of your home, if you're a tattoo person and you wanna tattoo something on you that has some type of, you probably have to tattoo your whole back for this. I can't think of anything else better than this, right? So I just wanna read it for you because it was so powerful um, to me, if someone were to ask you what the ultimate job of a parent is, what would you answer? Well, the answer is here. It's found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Your job is to do everything within your power as an instrument in the hands of the Redeemer who has employed you to woo, encourage, call, and train your children to willingly and joyfully live as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is more important than how they do in school or how positively they contribute to the reputation of your family or how well they set themselves up for a future career or how well they do in sports and the arts or how well they are liked by adults and peers. These things are not important, but we must not let them rise to the importance of this one thing, and that is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right? Your children must come to learn early that their lives don't belong to them. They must understand early that they have been given life and breath for the purpose of serving the glory of another. They must learn that they do not have the right to follow their own rules or write their own laws. They must surrender to the fact that their lives are meant to be shaped, not by what they want, but by what God has chosen. Like, do we get that? Do we get that as parents, but also, or as we lead our kids, but also in our own personal lives, right? They need to know early that they are worshipers whose capacity to worship is meant to be owned by the one who created them with this capacity. And I'll end with this. Here's the core mission of parents. 
to raise up children who approach everything in their lives as the disciples of Jesus. The idea of, of having this be the uh, cadence of our lives um, as parents and being ultimately where we're gonna find our rest in is so helpful to me as a dad because um, oftentimes I equate raising my kids with, I just don't want them to embarrass me, right? And that seems to be our goal. Like, what's the greatest thing you, uh, when you go out to eat with your kids, what's a win for you when you're out to eat with your kids? Brittany, what'd you say? Nobody cries, right? It's a good starting point. What else? What's a win for you when you take your kids out to eat? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Brian's looking over there too. Not doing the raising hand things, but I think everybody in here, don't you love it when you're finishing up and the sweet old couple walks up to you and they're like, your kids are so well behaved. (laughs) Right? Everybody's laughing because you know exactly what that's like because you're like, I've killed it. (laughs) I'm the most amazing parent ever, right? And there is that thing where that becomes the litmus test for us of success as a parent because we worry more about how do I look as a parent in the eyes of other people than I do in my shaping and pointing them towards who their Lord and Savior is and what it looks like to live as an obedient disciple of their Lord and Savior. Um, There was a quote um, in the study guide, and I don't know if it's in the book, I couldn't remember, but it says this, says disciples by a, a Vody Bochum, it says, discipling our children is not about teaching them to behave in a way that won't embarrass us. We're working towards something much more important than that. And this really does go all the way back to the very first week, um, if you've been here for the entire time. When Jake and Sarah first taught, um, right, they said that our, our rest that we go after and what we rest in is, is we we pursue, we, we obey God who's commanded us to help our children learn to look at life through the lens of what it looks like to have Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that's where we, we, we put all of our energy into doing that, but we, but we rest in ultimately the sovereign God over their lives who will ultimately take care of that for us, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean, the scary part of that as a parent is that doesn't mean that all of our kids will come to know and love Jesus, And I sit there and I go, as a dad, um, what terrifies me or what scares me, not, in, not, in, not from a term of, you're like, oh, you just scared me like Jake likes to scare everybody in the church building, right? It's not that type of a, a terrifying. It's that kind of foreboding, that a sickness you feel in your heart that we've all kind of been there um, where things are just going totally sideways. And for me as a dad, that's my fear is that my kids will, will not love and pursue Jesus and they'll shake their fist at God. And I tend to get exhausted because I go, it's all up to me. I have to do this. And I hope that as we continue to use Matthew 28, 18 through 20 as the anchor point for no, we're, I'm called as a dad to live those things out, to point my kids to those, but ultimately to rest in a sovereign God who's ultimately sovereign over whether my kids will know and and love Jesus is where we we can find that rest. And that went all the way back to the very first week with Jake and Sarah, is that as we strive to develop a comprehensive biblical worldview, right, for our kids to follow, um, and we teach them that our lives as Christ followers will look different and should look distinctively different than the world around us, that's where we find our rest. That becomes our goal. That's our, our one aim as, as moms and dads and that we become a God-centered family. Um, I wanted to, to push it back in this way because that hearing all that sounds great in theory, right? And I think we would all go, oh yeah, I'll, I'll tattoo that on my back or put it on the wall, whatever you, know, you called me to do. I, I will, I'll develop a comprehensive biblical worldview. I will make my family God-centered, right? I... I am really good at the I shoulda, woulda, couldas. Um, I'm not really good at the follow through. And so I wanted to kick something back into a table discussion because hearing, hearing how we can find rest in the simplicity of, of making little disciples of Jesus Christ, right? And how 
that's very simple but maybe daunting at the same time. What does the bulk of your parenting consist of right now? What I mean by that by this is we, as we see the biblical truth of pointing our kids to Jesus Christ and being that our soul, our, our main goal in everything in life, does your parenting consist of things that would move in that direction with your kids? What I mean by that is this. Does it consist of helping them become competent? Is this what we're going after? Is, are we trying to make our kids competent in sports, scholastic ability, uh, lack of public embarrassment, you know, how to take your hats off in certain places, how to act in certain ways, um, manners, extracurricular activities, um, or does the bulk of our parent focusing is, is it focusing on being followers of God? Talk in your tables right now. What does the bulk of your parenting consist of right now where you're at in your stage of life? I'll give you about five minutes. All right. Um, man, it's fun to sit at the tables. That's, I hope it doesn't sound like empty flattery. Uh, so Laura used this term in, in where they're at. Is that, how old is Jackson? Is he... Almost seven, okay, that was eight. Um, within where they're at in, in life right now, um, she used this term, we're trying to sprinkle or, or sprinkle gospel nuggets into all these different things we're talking about. Even Brian or Amanda were talking about this morning, we're talking about one of our sons picking his nose at the table. And, and you start to go through all these things, manners, um, Sarah was talking about, we just have kids right now who are, they're just kind of Debbie Downers. Or their attitudes aren't good. They're not thankful and stuff like that. And so within the anxiousness that we talked about at the beginning, you know, where are you, use three words to describe where you're at right now. And you're talking about, I'm overwhelmed, I'm anxious. Brian was saying, I'm mentally exhausted from discipline issues. This is where we can rest in the simplicity of the gospel and finding ways to, not finding ways, but they're there within everything that we're trying to instill in our kids, we're always pointing them back to Jesus. And that's not a, I think oftentimes we use that as kind of a high level, like, so you're saying every time I have a disciplinary issue, I just point him back to the Jesus. And I'm going, yeah, you do. In this way is within the context of, I think you're talking about manners and how we should treat each other. Do you know that God thought outside of himself for my sake when he didn't have to? He was holy and I was not. Like you're having this conversation with your kid. He was holy and I'm not. And you know what that means for me? I'm destined eternally to live separated from him because of my sin. But within that, how cool is it that God would bridge that gap between me and him through his son? He thought of me first. And that's what motivates me to want to think of, of I should quiet my mouth when somebody else is talking because I care about what they have to say. I'm, I'm thinking outside of my health myself. Why, why do I call my kids to seek peace and pursue it when they always want to pick on each other? It's because God values peace. That's, that's what God values. 1 Corinthians 14, says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregation of the saints, right? God wants order. That's why manners are good. There are so many, not so many, everything we seek to instill in our kids, we can rest in that we point them back to the gospel each and every time, and we point them back to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, like I said earlier, it was, it, was a, it was such a, not a paradigm shift, it was such a great thing to encounter that rest is not this physical component that I think we all strive for as parents. We say, if only I could get the physical rest that I need, I will be able to parent better. There, there's a modicum of truth with that, right? We need to have our date times as parents. We need to get away. We need to have some time to, to physically. The greatest rest we can find as parents is resting in what God has called us to do in pointing our kids to Jesus. And this goes all the way back. Look at the anchor of, of Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. I think that might've been brought up at the very beginning. Um, and you don't have to flip there if you don't want to, but in that at the very beginning, you know, that whole passage, Deuteronomy 6, is about bathing our kids' lives in the truth of who God is. But at the very beginning, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And then he goes on to say, and that these commandments that I give you today, impress them on your children, right? Impress them, like take the, the stamp and put it into the seal. Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk around the road, or walk, walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your grates. Go back to the tattoo thing, right? We can tattoo that on there. Everything we do is anchored to that, but that is what we rest in the obedience of. We rest in the obedience 
of loving God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength, right? And then we leave the remainder of that in the hands of our Lord and Savior. We rest in the sovereignty of, of who God is and what he wants to be in our kids' lives, right? On page 185 um, of our book, it says this. It says, so once more, we are confronted with the fact that as parents, we have no power to turn our children into the thinking and living disciples of Jesus Christ. They will become his disciples only as they are rescued by his grace. And this is where we rest in the obedience of our calling. Um, I made some notes and I said, often for me as, as with a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old and an eight-year-old, I have a tendency to place the commands that God has given me and, and I'll apply it to parenting, but I think it goes into every aspect of just trying to be a Christ follower is I plug the commands from God into equation. And for all the engineers in the room or the teachers of math, you're all gonna go, all right, equations, I love it, right? Brian, you know what I'm talking about, right? All right, good, got a thumbs up, right? I place the commands of God into equation, right? And I say, all right, so as, as a dad, if I love the Lord, Lord my God, with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and I press on my on my kids, A squared plus B squared equals Christ following child on the other end, right? And I go, woohoo. And then when I see something drawn out in my kid's nature, maybe even, you know, as a 12-year-old, even as in my eight-year-old son, or particularly as a 15-year-old daughter who's encountering the world around her at West High School in Waterloo, and I don't see what I think I should see, I start to freak out. And I think we've all felt that as, as parents. Um, where Which one's picking nose? Is it Asher or is it Samuel? Samuel. Sorry, I didn't mean to call it out. And shoot, if he podcasts this one, then he's going to hear his name called out there. Or the freak out moment we have when we're at Village Inn and Samuel's finger is dug all the way up here, right? We cannot, I cannot place the commands of God into an equation and then worry about what my C squared is going to be. The biblical rest that we can find is not in that. And it's, it's not worrying about God's follow through. It's not, it's, it's resting in the obedience of what God has called me to do as a parent and us as parents and truly resting in that. Like if I'm, if I'm saying that the right way, like, that is the rest that God wants us to find in him. He says, obey me, set the pace for your kids. Do these things first, right? Leaders go first. One of Paul Sabino's great things, leaders go first. So it comes from us first. But at the end of the day, I rest in going, God, I'm gonna faithfully obey you in this. But at the end of the day, their little hearts and their souls, they ultimately belong to you. And that may mean that one of our children may not choose to follow and walk after Jesus. And that's scary as a parent, but we also trust and rest in the sovereign God who's over the entire world in that, in that paradigm. Um, you, the, the reason that we can do this is because of that bold truth in verse 18 in the Great Commission. And one of the things we often do, um, and I found myself doing this probably up until two years ago when I really, when I added on verse 18, I can't remember what we were doing at Candeo, but we were teaching through some aspect of the Great Commission and somebody pointed out and went, why are we not including verse 18 in here? Because often we do verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Look at the power in verse 18, right? When it says, he, he, Jesus begins his commission not with a calling us to something, but he's saying, I am the authority. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Right now, Jordan is probably teaching this, and down in fives and sixes, I know that they're teaching right now, is that Jesus was given authority by God. That was his reward for going to the cross for us. But that authority was something that, I can now rest in as a parent because I'm like, shoot, Jesus has the authority and he says, obey these things. And I'm just going to rest in, in that's what he's called me to do. But ultimately I'm going to rest in the authority that he has. The book says this, says Jesus begins his commission, not with, this, with calling us to something, but with comforting us with these words, all authority. Like, just let your heart marinate in that truth. These words tell you that it is impossible to be in any situation, any location, any circumstance, in any relationship at any time that is not at that time being ruled by King Christ. I don't know about you guys, but as a dad, that just makes me go, 
right? That is the rest when I am wrestling with my daughter on climate change and how that's the most important thing in the world right now and trying to communicate lovingly to a daughter that the things of this world, you know, Psalm 102, 25 through 27 talks about how even the world itself, it's been around for thousands of years, isn't ultimately lasting, right? Only God is. But within the context of a conversation with a 15-year-old, I can realize, I can rest in the fact that God lead me in this conversation with my daughter, but I'm resting in the authority of my, my King Christ that's in that to do it well. And I'm trusting in the infallible God who's over the fallible dad that's trying to lead this jacked up conversation and how this goes, Right? There's rest there because all of us have found this place where we've been like, I don't know how to, how do how in the world do I engage with this conversation? Right? I should steward the world around me. I should take care of the world. I shouldn't flippantly throw trash everywhere. But this world is not destined to last forever. So, how do I equip my daughter to, to place value in the world around her, but not ultimate value in the world around her? I'm gonna enter into that conversation with biblical truth, but I'm gonna rest in that King Christ is over this because of the authority he's, he's been given with that. Um, as parents, we are called every day to faithfully participate um, in, in what God's called us to do. And as we move into this, all right, what is that? We're, we're resting in the truth of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We're resting in the truth of, of Jesus's authority in our lives. Well, what does that look like practically for us as parents? And for the last probably 20 minutes or so, this is where we're gonna stay anchored to. So one of those things that practically this looks like in resting is by simply going, I'm going to faithfully participate in what God has called me to do. So when we see Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and we see Jesus saying, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I am committing as a parent to faithfully participate in that. So here's another kind of a group question for, for all of this. I just you know, throw it out there as you hear it. So since we cannot change our children's hearts, right? We've kind of established that. We cannot change our children's heart, but we can only work to create an environment where God's work in their lives will thrive and flourish. In what ways does the climate of your home or your parenting either help or hinder creating this type of an environment? Does that make sense? I'll ask it one more time. So since we realize we can't ultimately change our children's hearts, right? But we can, we're, we're commanded to faithfully participate in creating an environment where God's work in their lives will thrive and flourish. What ways does the climate of your parenting either help or hinder creating that type of environment right now? Basically, it boils down to is what you're doing in your homes right now helping this God-centered focus or hindering your God-centered focus? And then why? Talk about a loaded question to ask in a group, right? Kelly's over there smiling like, oh, please don't call on me. Sweet. All right. I love it. I, I want to hear like, we got more stories like that. And do, if you don't have that story, don't sit here and feel defeated. Like, I love the language that you use, Kelly. And like, we decided we needed to make a cadence change. If, if you want like a practical word to maybe go back and talk with your spouse when you leave today and go, uh, what is our cadence right now? I love that example because of this. Those are the types of things that as a dad, I constantly have to analyze in my life is what's the cadence of my home right now? 
And is it helping point my, my kids towards the reality that God is center in our family's life and my life, or is it hindering? Even those simple ways of like, is there anything wrong with watching the television? No. Well, in one sense, no. In another sense, yeah, maybe with all the stuff that's on there, right? But to simply even identify one of those areas of like, what does my morning look like? Is the first thing that when my kids wake up, they plop out into the living room and they just see me. Maybe it's not the television, but maybe it's me just sitting back with a cup of coffee and I'm just scrolling through my phone. And then one day we'll wake up and our, we'll wander into our kid's room and we'll be crying for them to, to be in their word and they'll be on their phones and we'll be going, how in the world did that happen? Because they, they see it in us first. And the, the cadence, and again, I'm being captain obvious in one sense because we know that we teach our kids way more just by what we do as parents than we will ever communicate out of the words of our mouth. And I was confronted, Julie and I were confronted on this with Addison just about like a month and a half ago, is we've always called our kids to appropriate electronic device time. They get 30 minutes through the week, they get an hour on the weekends. And we're talking like, I don't care if it's computer, tablet, whatever, Right, and within that, Addison comes up to Julie one day and goes, uh, "Mom, I want—I just want to let you know that um, you guys call us to this, but I always see you guys on your phones, like just walking around the house." And you know, you know, my my simple response as a dad, my first response is like, "Well, I, I work for the state police, but I have to have my phone on all the time. Like, I need to check my emails in case something happened with a, a case or something like that." That was my selfish way of going, I don't want to do what I'm calling my kids to do. Um, and when we talk about resting in the obedience, we're talking about faithful participation in our kids' lives. And that means we're in it for the, that means I'm in it for the long haul. Faithful participation in what God's trying to do with our kids isn't just when they're really young. Those are critical ages for that. I know that we've talked about this within parenting. Um, it's never going to stop. Um, and, and our rest comes from faithfully participating in what God has commanded us to do. And I think those two words, faithful, right, is faithful and participating are probably the two hardest things I have, particularly within the exhaustion that it is from coming from parents or as a parent, is because faithfulness means ongoing. It never stops. And that's hard. I, within our Western society, I feel like we always feel like we get to this place where faithfulness means you do it for a period of time and then at some point you finally get to check out because those are your retirement years, right? I finally get, when I hit 55 years of age, I finally get to take time for me and I continue to be convicted of like, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible, ever. In fact, more, more often than not, God used men and women much later in their lives than he ever did the other one. And that convicts me to be faithful. The participating, right, means leading out in that, that I'm the first one as a parent in going first. I'm the first one in sharing the gospel with people. When I call my kids to go, hey, you had your, your friends over, like, did you have any Jesus conversations with them? That's good. We should, should be doing that. But am I, as a dad, participating in the gospel presentation and coming home and being like, here's the conversation I had with somebody at work, or here's the conversation I had with, with so-and-so. I was talking with Greg Brown about, um, he was just beginning to have a God conversation with another business owner two doors down from him. Faithful and participating are two things that we can rest in the obedience of, right? We rest in that, God, I'm telling you I'm gonna be faithful and I'm telling you I'm gonna participate in it. And at the end of the day, I rest in what, what, what God did with that. Now, here's, here's, I think, an important thing to be reminded of this with because saying that, again, sounds great in theory, but, uh, and the book draws this out really well. It says, um, now this doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, what I don't want to hear as a parent or any of us to hear as a parent either is that as we commit to be faithful, right, and to, to faithfully participate, is that we're going to be perfect. Uh, page 188 and 89 um, in our book says, and I love this because this is really helpful, you will not be punished for your failure, obviously, as a parent. You are welcomed by grace to new beginnings, his grace lets you put yesterday away and commit to new and better things today. The one who worked to forgive you now works to teach and mature you. When we set forth to go rest in being faithful participants in what God is doing, it doesn't mean, that does not equate to perfection. 
and don't get defeated in that. Remember that Jesus ultimately, and this is again is where we rest in the gospel. Jesus died and has forgiven us ultimately for eternity for our sin, right? But that allows us that when we do blow it and when, we, when we're not perfect, that, that we own it, right? We learn from it, right? And we rest in the forgiveness that, that God gives us. God has taught me more, um, and I know you guys can echo this, through the hard things that I've experienced than I've ever, I, I don't seem to learn very well with blessing in good times. I learn the most and get better through the hard stuff. That's just a reality of, of life. And we should rest in that. Um, when we were teaching through Hebrews, and I think Jake was teaching and he encountered uh, chapter 12, seven and eight, where it says endure suffering is discipline. God is dealing with you as sons and daughters. I wanna rest in that. I want to rest that within the difficulty of trying to get my kids to, you know, to, to go after Jesus and what kind of God conversations you having with your friends at school. And they come back and they're like, I didn't really have any. I don't freak out. And, and, and I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't lose my composure. I go, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is a hard thing I'm going to engage with. And God's dealing with me as a son right now. This is hard. That's a good thing. I can rest in that. I should, I should take joy in that. Right, and so I, what I what we don't want to do is when we when we fulfill the command to be faithful and participate, be uh, faithfully participating, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. Um, leadership of our homes does not equal perfection, and we have to let our kids see that. I think even Laura was talking about that a little bit. Like when I blow it with my kids, I have to own it. Right, when I blow it with my spouse, I have to own it in front of my children so they will see that. That's what faithful participation looks like. But when we do it, we we learn from it and we commit to new patterns. This isn't a free pass to go, I'm just a bad parent and God's just gracious, right? That's cheap grace. And Jesus's life was not cheap. And so within that, we, we rest in the grace that, that God gives it. We rest in those things. But the other thing that we do in faithfully or in living this out, what we rest in is we rest in the wisdom of God's word and the power of how God works, right? What I mean by that is this, is that, set this off to the side here. This, when we get into this place in our lives, we're like, I can't figure out all the complexities of our society and how to engage my kids in a biblical worldview and politics and society issues and all the things that we're, we're going around. How, how am I gonna think this through? We do not read, we rest in the fact that we do not read, need to reinvent the, the wheel. Our world has been fallen since Adam and Eve sinned. That hasn't changed in thousands of years. It looks differently in 2019, but it hasn't changed. And so what I rest is, I rest in the wisdom of, of this. I rest in the wisdom of God's word. This is unchanging. It never changes. The same applications that I can use as a father in 2019 are the same ones that David pursued with his jacked up family. This is, this is the compendium that we can always use and apply. We simply need to, uh, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I just simply have to apply it in today's culture and bring context to it. Page 190 says this, says God has blessed you with the most amazing compendium of true wisdom, daily hope, I love that, and practical guidance for everyday living that you could ever want as a parent. Where is it found? It's in your Bible, his word. So you have to ask yourselves, and I love the example, um, Brad, I love hearing that story and don't hear this as empty flattery. Like I am challenged by men who are willing to say, I'm gonna get up early, I'm gonna have my nose in God's word, right? And women that will do that same thing with their kids is we have to ask ourselves, am I resting in the wisdom of God's word, right? And if I'm, if, if I'm doing that, then you have to, if, if I'm moving that direction, I have to ask myself, am I in my Bible? Am I in my Bible? Not just corporately when we sit here in the equipping class on Sunday or when we're being taught through whatever book of the Bible we're teaching through at Candeo. Are you in your Bible as a parent? Are you in your Bible with your kids? And I know that, that, that there's different ways that, you know, it's been talked about through this class on ways we can do that, right? So within that is this, is that the um, Proverbs 4, verse 13 through 15, 18, 19 says, hold on to instruction, don't let go. Guard it for it is your life and this is our life, right? Proverbs calls us to do that. It says, the path of the righteous like the light of dawn shutting bright and bright to midday, but the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. 
They don't know what makes them stumble. We rest in the truths of God's word that are unchanging. And we go, God, I'm just gonna rest in, rest in this is what you have called me to obey. This is what it looks like to respond to my kids, not in the same way that they're responding to me. Like the truth of Proverbs 26, four and five says, don't answer a fool according to his folly or you'll be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly or he would be wise in his own eyes. And the reason I use that is that is a practical verse that I can go, when my child responds to me in a way that's disrespectful, what is my natural response as a dad? I wanna jump down to her level and I wanna get at her in the same way. Right. Even last night, we were watching. We were watching this thing on Forty Eight Hours, where it had this. Uh, maybe they'll kick me out of the parenting thing. It was about the active shooter situation that happened in the Trader Joe's in California. I think a couple years ago, and it was just following it through. And as a police officer, I'm cringing at some of the things that are being said about the police officers, how they respond, and stuff like that. And so I'm throwing out stuff to this woman on a television screen about, you know, like look at her hair. You know, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Right? And then what does my daughter do when she sees a commercial come up? She does the same thing. And I, everything, and, and she's, call, she's calling me out. And she's like, dad, if you don't want to watch the show, why don't you just go upstairs? And I want to get in this nitpicking fight with my daughter. I want to answer a fool according to her folly. Right? And the Bible says, don't do that. I can't respond to my kids in the same way that they're responding to me. And everything in my sin nature wants to do that. But the truth of the Bible is gonna, I'm gonna rest in that God has called me not to respond to my child in the same way that they're responding to me, not to get down on their level, but to ask good questions, to respond in a way that's different. And in that, that's where I rest. I'm gonna rest in the truth of God's word. So I wanna ask this just for the, the sake of our time is um, we're gonna do a quick kind of, I guess I'm gonna throw two table discussion uh, questions at you. We're gonna do this first one here for just a couple minutes. Um, and then we're gonna kind of land the plane on, on uh, what we find a rest is. It's this, since the greatest gift we can give our children is a parent who loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is it looking like for you right now to cultivate your own relationship with the Lord through time in the world? in the world, sorry. And if so, what does that look like? Like sharing your tables, just real briefly here. What does it look like for you to, how are you cultivating your own relationship the word, the Lord through uh, time in the word? Um, if not, talk about, hopefully authentically, don't be afraid to go, I'm not in the word. Help me do that, right? If not, what needs to change? So the two questions are this, what does it look like for you right now to cultivate your, your Bible time? What is that looking like? How have you seen steps of, of obedience or success in that? If not, if you're not doing that, what do you think are some steps that, that can change that context, right? So take just a couple minutes um, to kind of talk about that at your tables. All right. So I hope as we, we talk through what is it looking like to cultivate that we don't feel defeated in what that looks like. My encouragement is as we rest in the truth of God's word, and maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, I don't, I haven't been doing that. Simply rest in the obedience of taking a step to move in that direction. Start opening up your Bible. There's never a time, you're not gonna wake up one day and just all of a sudden go, I wanna, I need to be in God's word. Rest in the obedience of taking steps of obedience. Right and letting that letting that play out. But here's here's the last thing that we can we can rest in. We not only rest in the wisdom, we rest in the source of the strength that ultimately God is for us. And I know we kind of I think we joked about it at this table in one of the first questions that you know that whole idea. I think Laura was saying I just want to go back to like Matthew 11 and like my my you know the yoke is my yoke is heavy or my yoke is light. Right, cast all your cares on me. The truth of it is that that's also where we find our rest. Like in First Peter five seven when it says. Uh, give me all your anxiety, right? We should be doing that. We should cast those things onto God and be like, God, I am an anxious freak right now, but I'm gonna rest in you, right? God calls us to do that. Or Proverbs 18, 10, it says, the name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. I love that verse, that imagery of, of a strong tower. We can rest not only in the wisdom of God's word, but rest in the source of strength that he is. And it's not a, it's not this theoretical strength. It's a true rest in the storm that we can be anchored to.
And we'll, we'll end with this. It's page 191. When we freak out as parents um, about being weak and being exposed, that's not a bad thing. I shouldn't even say that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing because it says this. I love, I love how um, Paul Tripp said this. He said, weakness is not a curse. It's a blessing. It's not your weakness that you should fear, but your delusions of strength. Delusions of independent strength are a curse because they tell you that you have the power that you don't truly have and they keep you from resting and relying on the power that is yours in the presence and grace of the one who called you to be his representative in the lives of your children. When we rest in that, we realize that everything that is weak about us and is exposed as parents isn't something to fear. It's actually something that just drives us to our greatest need and that's, that's who God is who said he's infallible, we are not. I, I, we need to rest in our infallibility. It doesn't mean that we're, again, it doesn't mean that we're flippant and that we don't take care to be in God's word, but we rest in the infallibility that God is. This is where it lands. And I, and I love this. This is such a great way to cap off because I think it captures everything that we've taught through as, we, as we've desired to be gospel-centered families, gospel-centered parents. Um, and it says, it says, success is about faithfulness, not results. You are not manufacturing trophies. You are parenting children. No matter how righteously you act toward the children God has placed in your care, if they don't transact with God, they won't be what they're supposed to be and live as they were designed to live. You are the primary tool in the life of your children for their discipleship, and your children are one of the primary tools in your life for your sanctification. Reading that absolutely gives me rest because I recognize that the only reason that I have any rest, eternal rest, is because at a point in my life, I transacted with God. I recognized that I was a sinner in need of a savior and I was born in a home with a mom and dad who knew and loved Jesus, but they pointed us to Jesus. And I recognize that that didn't mean anything for me. I had to transact with God myself and recognize that I was a sinner in need of a savior. And that same thing is what we rest in with our kids. But within that, we, I love that last phrase. I am the primary tool in the life of my children for their discipleship. But my children are also one of the primary tools in my life of my sanctification. What a sweet parallel course to run, right? On both sides. That is, we desire to be a part of, play a part in God's sanctification of our kids' life and moving them towards a hopeful transaction that they will have with God themselves. God uses that same thing to sanctify me as, as their dad, right? So what I wanna do, and this is really, if, if you got time to go, but this is what I kind of like to cap off. And this is more of just kind of a casual table conversation as, as, you take, as you take off from here. Is think about this, not only your tables, but kind of going forward, um, with this is what has been the biggest change in your mindset and parenting as a result of the truths that you've learned from this class. And so I'm gonna kick you off with that question to your tables, but before I do that, it feels a little bit weird, but um, this is the last week of the parenting class, right? Um, You are gonna be getting a survey sent to you. Please fill that out, provide feedback. We, because we, we need to know, how can we do this better? What, what speakers did you enjoy? What parts of this did you enjoy most? How could we have done it differently? Please provide feedback because that allows us to be able to pivot, you know, in, in a different direction going forward. So I wanted to get that out there. But as you kind of close things up, talk about in your table, what's been the biggest paradigm shift or the biggest change in your mindset um, and parenting as a result of the truths that you've learned from this class, right? And then whenever you're done talking about that at your tables, you can get up and... Go do whatever it is that you do in between two services.